This is the Citizen of Heaven podcast number 192, Depression. I am Hal Hammonds, and I am a citizen of heaven, and your embedded correspondent in Satan's world. Thanks for checking in this week. BJ Sipe, a frequent contributor to the podcast, joins us this week along with his wife Kylie to discuss their experience with depression. I think you'll find their willingness to be open and honest about their struggles, failures, and successes to be a tremendous blessing. If you know someone who is struggling, do them a favor and share this episode with them. In the first part of our conversation, we will discuss what depression actually is and whether a simple study of Philippians and related Bible texts will cure it. You're listening to a sermon based in the book of Philippians. The preacher, not this preacher, I hasten to emphasize, sums up his view thusly. The cure for depression is Jesus. Jesus will make you content. Jesus will give you joy. Jesus is bigger than whatever you're currently facing. If you're wrestling with depression, your problem is not circumstances. It is not brain chemistry. It is, at its core, a lack of faith. BJ and Kylie, how would you react? I would start by saying, sometimes, yes. Sometimes that's correct, but sometimes that's different and incorrect. Let's start with talking about what this preacher is suggesting, and then we'll move into an exception and some caveats. When we open up the scriptures, over and over again, we're going to see phrases like, do not be anxious, be anxious for nothing. And so I preface this by saying there is a kind of anxiety that should not be a part of the life of a Christian. And often it's resulted from a lack of faith or a lack of belief that Jesus cares. You know, you think about the apostles on the boat with Jesus in Mark chapter 4. Don't you care that we're perishing? And Jesus, of course, wakes up, rebukes the waves, and then turns and says to his disciples, where is your faith? The lack of faith was a result of their disbelief that God cared. And so I say that to say sometimes the reason that we're struggling is because we don't think that God cares enough to do something about it. Shifting the gears a little bit, and maybe I'll let my wife take over here a little bit more, but we've always talked about just like the body can get sick. The mind can get sick. And sometimes what we're dealing with when we talk about depression or clinical depression is we are dealing with someone that for a lot of potential different reasons, whether it could be biological reasons with chemical imbalance and a lack of serotonin, it could be for diet reasons, It could be because of trauma. It could be because of circumstances in their life. They might not even understand why. When you ask them, why are are you so depressed? They don't know why. And it takes, you know, some real direction and counseling and feedback to kind of work through that. Uh, But there is a big difference between not trusting in God and dealing with what we would refer to as clinical depression. I don't know, Kylie, what are your thoughts on that? 
faith absolutely plays a role, but it's really only a fraction of the picture. A lot of times you'll see it run in families. You know, sometimes it's hereditary almost where someone has a chemical imbalance and then their child also deals with the same or similar chemical imbalance. A generation or two ago, there was a lot of misunderstanding towards this issue. And a lot of people were treated poorly or lacked support for this struggle. Sometimes it is just a matter of we're putting our faith and our trust in the wrong place. But I'd say probably more often than not, people who are depressed, it's not a faith problem. It's biological. I think BJ mentioned circumstantial. You know, we go through a lot of hard things in this life. And Christians were never promised an easy road. In fact, we're promised trials and tribulations because of the life path that we've chosen. God knows that. He knows that we've chosen this and He created us and we live in a fallen world. He never intended us to go through these types of struggles and losses and things that happen because of sin. But because we deal with sin, we're also going to deal with the repercussions of that. Well, I hope this isn't too personal, but before our daughter Ava was born, we went through a series of losses. You know, I had a lot of support, a lot of good friends reach out to me and lift us up during a really, really low point in our marriage. Someone, I don't remember who, told me, death is a result of sin. Our hearts were not made to carry that burden. When we go through hard things, sometimes we don't know how to cope, and we're not made to cope without support. And a lot of people are made to feel if they don't handle it on their own, then they're not putting their faith in God. And it's it's the opposite. God created a support system for us, and we need to lean into that. Would it be fair to say, chemically speaking, medically speaking, that regular garden variety depression, being bummed out, is just a lesser version of what the doctors would call clinical depression, or is this a whole other animal? Mm. There's different tears to this, obviously, and everyone's struggle with depression is different and will manifest differently. There is seasonal affective depression. You know, people call it sad. You're not getting vitamin D, you know, you're not exercising because you're not outside as much. Like there's a lot of physical components that go into this and it affects your brain chemistry and, and people find themselves more down the dumps. It's, it's not essentially, you know, full-blown clinical depression, but it is, you know, a biological lack of serotonin and some things that you need, you know, going on in your body and in your brain. Now, when we talk about clinical depression, the way it's usually described is like a cloud that continues to follow you no matter what you're doing or where you go, where you always feel isolated, where you don't want to feel this way, but you feel just 
angry and sad and, you know, all these things. And you, you might not even know why. And usually it's not just one reason. There are a lot of reasons that go into this. So let me get personal here and talk about that side. And then I, I think it is important for us to address what we're seeing in our culture, though, because I don't want to make the suggestion that most people's depression and a lot of what we're seeing being promoted in our culture is genuine clinical depression. Uh, I think what a lot of people are dealing with uh, is something very different. I think it's pride, actually, and I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. But let me open up and get personal about myself first. So I am currently on a 10 milligram dosage of an antidepressant that I've been taking for, I don't know, six months. months. I got to a point where I just, I was not functioning. No, not functioning in my marriage, not functioning with my parenting, not functioning with my work. I didn't understand why. And tell me what that looked like practically. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) practically speaking, I would just come home and just curl up in my bed and cry. And my wife's pregnant and dealing with two other toddlers and I just couldn't even function enough or, or well enough to take care of my family like I wanted to. And I was constantly pressed for time and lack of sleep. And so I was up late trying to finish work and I couldn't focus on my work. And so I was always behind and there was just all of these things that were happening and everything was spiraling out of control and I was gaining weight I wasn't exercising and all of these things. If you looked at any area of my life, it was affected by what was going on. And so I finally went and um, it started out with actually some, a couple of the brothers in Christ. Well, actually it started with my wife. It started with my wife understanding that I needed some support and that there were men that I trusted and loved that she could reach out to, to, have them check on me to see if I would open up. Can I interject right here? Yeah. So a lot of times when somebody is depressed, truly depressed, it feels like a hole you can't climb out of. And the idea of reaching out for that support and that help that we desperately need feels like trying to climb Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. It feels impossible and it feels way harder than just dealing with it on your own. But on the flip side, you you can't deal with it on your own. You need that support. So sometimes what it takes is somebody knowing you well enough to reach out on your behalf. Uh-huh. You know, BJ's a happy guy. He's outgoing. He's That's one of the things that I first loved about him was he is the best people person I've ever known. And When on a Wednesday night, he didn't want to go to church because he didn't want to be around people. That's when I knew this is not just a bad day or two. This is a problem. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, when he cried walking out the door on a Wednesday night, I got on the, I was home that evening because of some health issues with the pregnancy So I got on the phone with two of his best buddies at church who are older than him. And I said, please, 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 please say something to BJ while you're there. Get something on the calendar because I don't know what's going on with him. Something's going on and it's beyond my scope. So please reach out to him. Yeah. And they did. They did. 
And I had one brother pull me aside that night. And then the next brother did too. And, um, uh, Jonathan and, and, uh, Christy Lieber, they said, we're just going to come over and talk to you. And so they showed up at our house at eight o'clock at night and they sat with us for four and a half hours and just listened and let me cry and talked with me. And we talked about everything that was going on and, and tried to help me f- think through how I got here and everything that was going on. And what we were really able to deduce is, you know, a lot of times people think with something like depression, you know, we'll just give someone a pill and you're good. Well, that's not it. it that doesn't fix it any more than just say a prayer and you're good. And so what we were able to deduce is I needed to make some significant changes to some things that were going on in my life. And so a lot of it was within my control and I didn't recognize what I was doing. And a lot of it was rooted in pride and we'll get there in a minute. But some of it was I had dug myself a hole that was impossible for me to climb out of by myself. And so I went and sat with my doctor who was also a Christian and he visited with me about several things. We talked about PIES, which stands for physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. And that if one suffers, generally the others suffer too. And that these are all interconnected with one another. And so we set up a game plan. He said, one, you need to cut back on your work. You are doing too much. And actually it's pride. And he was able to deduce you know, some things that I didn't recognize that I was participating in and, and doing too much of really out of, out of pride rather than, you know, taking a, taking a break and, and being reasonable about what I can do. Um, so we cut back on work. I started walking 10,000 steps a day. I started eating better food. I started <clears throat> not drinking coffee after noon As he has a cup of coffee in his hand right now. I I do. (laughs) But overall, I have done very, very good about cutting my caffeine limit. We started making permanent changes in addition to some medication. But what was made very clear is, you know, there are a lot of things that are contributing to how I got to where I was. And I needed to make some significant changes in my life in order to you know, start turning things around. And and some of them were in my control. Some of them weren't, you know, I can't control the serotonin levels in my brain completely. And so that's where medicine helps some, but a lot of it was being humble enough to listen and correct, you know, some things and some bad habits I had developed and overwhelming myself. I think sometimes when you live with someone you know, I, I could tell BJ, hey, I think you're working too much. Hey, I don't remember the last time you took a Saturday off, things like that. But when you live with someone and you know them so intimately, sometimes those warnings can kind of go unheard. That's not to say that BJ wasn't listening, but coming from me, it didn't mean quite as much. And when you have other people on your side who can say the same thing, 
sometimes it resonates more because all of a sudden you're like, oh, (laughs) maybe it's not my wife just trying to be my self-help book. Maybe it's a real thing and other people are noticing it too. So I think there's something huge to be said for community and letting enough people in to know you well enough to know when there's a problem. You know, some people are more introverted by nature and that's fine, but everyone needs a support group. Everyone needs close brothers and sisters who can be the guy to pull you back. Right. Uh You've mentioned serotonin specifically a couple of times. Uh, For those who don't have MDs, could you tell us a little bit about serotonin and what that is? He doesn't either. (laughs) <laughs> if you're wondering, <laughs> no, so, this is all learned on the go. No. So, um, antidepressants essentially affect the neurotransmitter pathways that transmit different chemicals in our brain that are really responsible for, you know, our emotions and help us to feel the things that we feel serotonin and dopamine and dopamine is the feel good drug, right? And it's, it's what is released, you know, that keeps us coming back to something. How I can describe this in layman's terms is that you have faulty wiring. Okay. That, you know, we can get to the point in our brain where things are not clicking the way they're designed to, they're not functioning the way that they're designed to. And so things that normally brought you joy no longer bring you the same level of joy or things that normally you would never behave like suddenly you don't even understand why you're doing it, but you are. And a huge player in that is hormones and genetics. Yeah. Genetics too. One thing that his doctor recommended was getting his thyroid checked out. And when his doctor said that, I was like, oh, thank you. I've been saying that for months. (laughs) Yes, go get your thyroid checked out. Um, I've dealt with hypothyroid since I was a teenager. And I've been on medication for over, I don't know, over 12 years now, um, just to keep those hormones level and even. And if they get out of whack, Because, you know, I've had three babies and life is crazy. And as you age, your hormones change. So when they get out of whack, I can feel it. And I'm like, oh, I'm just not myself. And he'll notice it. He'll say things like, you're sad, you're distant, get your checkup and make sure everything's good and we can go from there. And it's true. I feel like, especially for women, it's more pronounced. But then for men, they can have issues too. Mm -hmm. And it's really not talked about a whole lot for men because I don't think men are considered as quite as hormonal as women, but that's just, that's a lie. (laughs) So get your thyroid checked. If we could, I'd really like to shift the discussion a little bit though, to talk about what I'll call the anxiety pandemic. There is a psychologist named Robert Leahy who's done a lot of work on depression, clinical depression, and understanding you know, the role of faith in all of this. And something that he cites in his book, Anxiety Free, is he says that the average child today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the 1950s. That's insane. 
literally, when you think about that. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America has released some recent statistics. There are 40 million adults that are affected by anxiety disorders every year. 17.3 million had one major depressive episode. And 1 in 20 children have anxiety or depression. This is a huge spike as opposed to decades past. A huge spike in our culture. And so you look at this and ask the question, is this because you know, suddenly there is a huge genetic biological reason millions and millions and millions more people are depressed or anxious? Or is there another explanation? Well, when you look at when a lot of these major depressive episodes took place and who they took place, and a lot of them were in young adolescents, and higher suicide rates started taking place between right around starting in 2008. Well, what started to come on the scene in our lives and became a huge part of our lives right around that time? Facebook. Social media. In 1 Peter chapter 5, in verses 5 through 7, I don't know if this has ever struck anyone else as strange, but just read what Peter says here. Um, He says in verse 5, he says, You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Notice what Peter says here. He calls for us to humble ourselves by casting our anxieties upon God. The proud refuse to do so. That word cast means to transfer weight. So, you know, Hal, if you were helping someone move down there in Texas and you saw an older man in his 80s that came to be helpful and you saw him trying to lift a height of bed, right? And he was on one end carrying it and you saw his body shaking as he was trying to lift it. What would your natural inclination be? You're going to go take that for him. Now, what if he said, no, I got it and pushed you off? And then got hurt. (laughs) Why would he do something like that? Well, because of pride. God opposes the proud. God wants to give us grace. But so often, we refuse to cast our anxieties upon God. And it's actually pride that sometimes results in the issues that we're having. And a lot of it is linked to, you know, the trends that we're seeing in our culture today. Kyle Eidelman is a good author In his book, Don't Give Up, he talks about how pride is the source of a lot of our anxiety. And he says three things specifically. He says, first of all, that pride makes us self-centered. To quote him specifically, he says, The more self-centered I am, the more I'm concerned about my own pleasures, desires, and comfort. The more I focus on those things, and the more anxious I'm going to feel. You know, think about how social media fuels that, how much time we spend in social media, how much time we spend comparing ourselves to others 
and how self-centered, I mean, the selfie, we just call it that, right? Taking pictures of ourself and, and sharing it with the world. And people get can get caught up in this culture of FOMO, fear of missing out. And there are huge links in research between anxiety and social media use. A lot of it is rooted in pride, what I want others to think about me. The second thing he says is that pride refuses to ask for help. You know, we don't want to cast our anxieties upon God. We certainly don't want any help from others because I don't need any help from others. I've got this all on my own. It's the classic dad that doesn't stop to ask for directions. I would know you're, you're, about that. Right. <laughs> you're lost. But dad refuses to stop to ask for directions. Why? Because of our foolish pride. Right. But then finally, something that Kyle talks about is he says that pride has control issues. You know, rather than through humility, giving the keys over to God to speak, so to speak, I am not willing to submit to God or submit to others because that means I'm giving up my element of control. You know, I need to be in control, which is why I think Peter says what he does in verse five. He doesn't just randomly switch the subject. He says, be in submission to your elders, because when you refuse to, it is out of pride and your desire to be in control. And as a result, you're going to become a lot more anxious when you're not submissive. You know, pride makes me defensive. So I become anxious when I feel unfairly criticized. Pride makes me selfish, so I feel anxious when I don't get my way. Pride makes me stubborn, so I get anxious when someone won't agree with me. Look at social media and how many people fight about the dumbest things, including me. You know, I'll, I'll chip in and chirp with someone about the Astros on social media. Why? Because of pride. <laughs> because of my own stupid pride. Pride makes me jealous. So I become anxious when someone else has success or passes me up. Pride makes me critical. So I get anxious if someone else doesn't realize what they're doing is wrong or that they need to do it differently. So to sum it all up, Dr. Edward Hallowell, who is a stress expert, defines anxiety as a heightened sense of vulnerability and a diminished sense of power. When you get down to the root of why is there such an epidemic of anxiety in our culture? While some of it certainly is legitimate, and that needs to be stated on the record, and some of it needs to be handled by looking at all these different factors and speaking with your doctor and making changes, and it's not sinful. There is a kind of anxiety that I believe Jesus taught against, that I believe the apostles taught against that is sinful. And it's an anxiety that we bring upon ourselves needlessly because it's rooted in our own pride. You've been listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Thank you for your support. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe through your favorite podcast platform and or on YouTube. Comments, corrections, and suggestions are always welcome. Please feel free to follow me through Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, or Instagram, or check out my webpage, www.howhammonds.com. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammonds, the Citizen of Heaven, signing off. <laughs>